Are you ready for the word? I heard one. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, we're teaching through James, the epistle of James, and it's a wonderful epistle, and I want you to continue to read it and get ahead of me and, and find things in it that uh, God reveals to you uh, that he hasn't revealed to me, and share it. It's all good. The title of the message today is Look, Abide, and Change. Look, Abide, and Change. Now let's start in James. Let's just review uh, from last week. We're going to start at verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22, and go up to where we are today. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers. And that hearing, of course, we talked about is, is you're listening, but it's without practicing. So God doesn't want us to be mere hearers of the word. He wants us to be doers of the word. Because if we just hear alone and don't do, we are, as the scripture said, we we fool ourselves, we delude ourselves, we are uh, faking ourselves out because we're being deceived. We're incorrectly believing something that's false. And we can easily do that because of the world system, because of our flesh, because of the enemy, and because of well-meaning friends. Then it goes into, where were you uh, last week? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man who looks in, at himself in the, in the mirror, his natural face now. And once he had looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And we talked about that. Verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, and that's the law of liberty, and abides in it. So we have a looking intently. We have a looking intently. It's not a casual look, as we said last week, but we are looking intently, and we are abiding in it, and we said that abiding is the same word as continual, the same word in, in John. We are not only steadfast in it, but we are immovable. We are there. You can't take us away from it. Not having become a, un, a forgetful hero, but an effect, effectual duel. This man will be blessed in what he does. So today, as we go into verse 26, we want to talk a little bit, a little bit about that effectual duel of the word. Because as you remember, and as, as most of you have been through this, that before you got saved, you saw things that Christians they so-called Christians. They said, they did, and it really turned you off because it's like a hypocrite. They would sit in church, but at home, at the workplace, at different places, they would do something entirely different. And we don't want that. We want to be, like Jesus said, a light. We want us to be the light of the world. That people can be in darkness, which the world is, and see our light, 
regardless how dim it is, and come to that light. There should be a difference between light and darkness. If a person is in darkness and they, they look at me, they look at you, and we look the same, we're dark too, even though we're supposed to be light, we can't draw anyone. Everyone is stumbling. We want to be a lamp. They can put up, be put on a, a lampstand, and everybody can see how to move around the room, how to move around the workplace, how to move around your home, how to move around the church. Everywhere you go, they can see there's a difference. How do you become an effectual doer of the word? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The first thing is that you must know that you are free to be a doer of the word. If you don't know you are free, the enemy can easily deceive you to think to tell, make you think that you're still in bondage. You can't do what you want to do. You, can, you, you can't walk that way. You can't change. The enemy will tell you that. You can't change. This is how you are. You were born that way. God gave you this, you know. This is of God. Don't try to change yourself. Other people are going to have to change for you. No. There's nothing in the word of God that tells us that we are not to change. Nothing. We are supposed to change. Matter of fact, in Romans it tells us that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And if we are predestined to be conformed to his image, that means that change must take place. We are born in sin. And when we are saved, we are new creation, new creatures. And there's a sanctification process. We have, we are positioned to be sanctified, but there's a process that doesn't end until we get a new body, until we're resurrected. So we're going to always be changing. So if there's anyone here that doesn't want to change, you want to be the same, you want to be who you are, you want to talk like you talk, you want to, you want to you know, go where you go, then you're going to have a rude awakening when judgment day comes. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to uh, let you know that. We want to let you know that, hey, change is possible, change is is necessary. God wants change, and he has given us a change agent, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will change us all. He's more than able. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of God, and he can change anyone. Don't ever think that it's impossible to change. This one man told me, he said, well, you know, this old man, he is stubborn, he was he wasn't he was older. He was in his probably when I first got to meet him, he was probably in his fifties. And um, they said he, he's just old and set in his ways, and he'll never change. I try to witness to him; he's gonna, he'll never change. Now, never make a statement like that. That's someone that never change, because as time went on. This man changed. He gave his life to Christ. That's what changed him. And 
He wanted to come to church. He wanted to be a doer of the word. He wanted, it, it was so wonderful to see that. It's all because of Jesus Christ. It's only because of the Holy Spirit. It's only because of the love of God and the mercy of God. So if you have a, if you have a situation in your life where you think that I can't change this, if you have a person in your life, a relative, say that, you know, uh, I don't think they're ever going to change. Know that change is possible. The thing you have to do is change yourself. And when I say change yourself, you have to surrender. The word, you know, the song we sang, you have to, sing, you have to surrender because I can't change myself. But I can surrender myself and allow the Holy Spirit to change me. I can get on the operating table and allow him to operate on me. I don't want to, I don't want to you know, uh, stay out of the operating room. I want to say, operate on me, Lord. How many of you want to, want to be operated on by the Holy Spirit? Sure. Yes, we do. Romans chapter 8. In, in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that, what I just said, that, that um, we are new creations. It says, therefore... There is now no, condemna no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, do we understand that? We have been set free from the law of sin and death. We don't have to be under law. Jesus Christ, he paid the penalty for all disobedience under the law. We are now under grace, if you will, saved. And so we are free. And whom the Son is set free is, finish it for me, free indeed. That's correct. Joshua 1.8. In Joshua, Jesus was telling, not Jesus of God, was telling, the Father was telling uh, Joshua, Look, my, my servant Moses, he's died, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, anoint you to lead. Now, this is what I want you to do. And he started explaining it to him in chapter 1. We just want to concentrate on, on verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? When we are talking, we are not supposed to be talking something that's not in the book of the law, or, or it goes along with it, okay? The principles of it. You should not hear stuff coming out of my, my, my mouth or your mouth or our mouths that's contrary to the word of God. Yeah. He'll never change. Yeah. No. But you shall meditate on it, how often? Day and night. What are we going to meditate on? He was telling them the book of the law. So we're going to meditate on the New Testament. We're going to meditate on the word of God. We're going to meditate on what the, the two, you know, the, everything hangs on. We're going to love the God, Lord our God, with all our heart, all our souls, all our mind, all our strength. And we're going to love others as ourselves. In a new commandment I've given you, John says, that I want you to love others as I have loved you. So we are going to obey those two commandments, and then we're going to read the whole Bible so we can get a context of what he's meaning and how, how he means for us to do that. 
We're going to meditate on that word day and night. One of my uh, goals uh, this year was to read through the Bible again. And so I was not going to read through it with, uh, I don't, you might like it, but I just don't. Uh, read through, the, you know, the Bibles that have, um, uh, you read a verse here, a verse there, da-da-da-da. And, and it's, you know those yearly Bibles? Read through the Bible. I don't like that. You can like it, but I don't. I don't like it only. <laughs> I don't like it only because um, I like to meditate on the Word. I'm not in a hurry to go through the Bible. So, therefore, I'm in Romans now, and it just takes me a long time. Then I went to. Uh, then I went to. I've, I've been through. I've been through most of it except. Uh, I got to go to Acts and, and, and the Gospels again. But in Romans, it's some good stuff in there. I just can't read it. I, it it's taken me a week, and I haven't gotten too far because I'm meditating. I want to meditate on it. When he says that, just this verse here, don't let this law depart from out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And I said, well, okay, why do you want me to do that? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Are you saying, Father, are you saying that if I don't meditate on this thing day and night, if I don't keep it before my eyes, if I don't keep it coming out of my mouth, do you mean that the, that the pressure of the world, the pressure of, of this flesh, the pressure of, 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 you know, just the demonic influences around us, do you, do you mean it's so great that I'm going to float down the river? You know, I'm going to just float right on down the river to where I'm not obedient to this word of God. I have to meditate on it, all, this, all this thing so that I can do it. What is he telling Joshua? What is he telling him? If you don't meditate on it, if you don't keep it coming out of your mouth, you're not going to be able to do it. So never tell anybody, I don't have time to have a devotional time. I don't have time to read the Bible. Don't tell them about that because what you're actually telling them, I don't have time to be a doer of the word. I'm too busy doing things that's going to lead me astray. <laughs> Come on now, I'm asking you. You think, you think it's serious. You think I'm not serious. But do you realize if you don't do what he says that you're going to be led astray because the, the, the just river flows? The current will take you right on down the river. And you had to fight upstream if you, in, by reading, by meditating, by speaking. And that's what we call confessions, the word of God. For then, it says, you will make your way prosperous. And then, it says, you will have success. I want success. And anything I do, I want success. So he's telling Joshua, Joshua, if you want success, this is what I want you to do. I don't think Joshua was some spiritual dynamo that, you know, uh, he, he was birthed obeying the law. He was birthed, did nothing wrong. I don't believe that. I believe he was just like we are. He had a flesh. And it was subject to sin. But I believe that through being around Moses, he understood the power of prayer. He understood that 
I have to be obedient to his word. He understood what God was saying because he had a mentor that did it. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. I'm sure you already know it. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a what kind of sacrifice? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service of worship. It's your reasonable one. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed like a butterfly. Be transformed. How am I going to be transformed? By the renewing of my mind. Suppose I don't want to renew my mind. Suppose I don't want to go in the, in the cocoon and, you know, and, and let God do this metamorphosis. I don't want, him, I don't want God to do this thing. I, I'm too busy. Then I'll stay a caterpillar. I'll crawl around when I should be flying. And, I, and I'll get run over by car tires <laughs> trying to cross the street. <laughs> it happens in the spring of the year. Then we'll prove what's as good and acceptable. And that word acceptable is not acceptable. It's acceptable in English but it's not acceptable in Greek. Acceptable in Greek means is well-pleasing. Is that which is well-pleasing. So some people use this verse say, uh, you know, God has an acceptable will, and he then has a perfect will. I want his perfect will. I don't want his acceptable will. There's no such thing as something acceptable that's not perfect, that's not, you know, well-pleasing. Okay. We must look intently at the word of God. And I don't want you to be listening to the message today and you go away a caterpillar. This is a cocoon message. Okay? This is a transforming message. We must abide in it. And then we said that word abide means to remain, to, to stay steadfast. Now when we continue to change on the inside, it changes every member of our body. Change, God wants change to take place on the inside. And James, what he was doing, let's turn back to James. When, when, when James is talking, he's talking to Jewish Christians, predominantly, and he knew that they wanted to be obedient to the law as well as have grace in Christ. He was trying to let them know that you're going to have to change from the inside. There can be no outward working of the, of the law and think that you are going to be changed. You're not going to be changed. You're not going to be changed just sitting in the garage. You're not ever going to be an automobile, so don't even try it. You're not going to be changed unless the word of God is proclaimed. And unless you get into it, unless you receive it and abide in it, you'll never be changed. You can sit in church to the day you die, and you remain a carnal Christian or a sinner. Because I sat in church, and I was a sinner, because I was not saved. When I came to this church, I was not saved. 
I thought I was good, but I was not saved. So church is a place that you want to hear the word of God. And you don't want to hear something that tickles your ears. You want to hear the word of God. You want the truth, you know. If, if, you don't give it, give, if you're not getting the truth, you might as well stay home and watch cartoons, you know. Really. Now let's pick it up in verse 26 in James. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and this word religious is not, you know, like Lynchburg is a re very religious city like that. Uh, uh, see, a religious person, it can be good or bad. Uh, this he's talking about, if you think you to be a good religious person, it means a diligent performer of the, of the divinely ascribed duties of the word of God. If you really think that you're Jewish Christian, then it says that, and yet you don't brighten your tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless, it's vain. Now, I wonder why is that sitting here when he's talking about being a doer of the word and all these type of things, when, he, when he's talking about Jewish Christians, why now is he talking about your tongue when he's going to talk about that further over? Why is he throwing it in here? He's giving them an example, just an example, of a hypothetical situation that says that, you know, your religion is supposed to change you from the inside out. And a hypothetical situation is that if you don't brighten your tongue, your religion is vain. That means that you're not really changed from the inside. You're really not. You're just trying to conform to an outward show of the word of God. You know how when we put on nice clothes, I put on my tie, you know, I put on everything, come to church, and you think, man, that, that dude, man, you know, he's religious, you know. He got his Bible, you know. I used to take, bring my Bible to church, you know. Uh, all those type of things. I saw other people bring the Bible. I brought my Bible, you know. He said, turn to this right here. Man, by the time I find it, he's gone somewhere else, you know. So then it's, uh, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm look like I know something, so try to memorize the books of the Bible so I can turn to it quick. And then when I can turn to it quick, people thought I really knew my Bible. Come on. You can fake people out. Do you know that? You can really fake people out. Uh, that religion is vain. God is not interested in that type of religion. He's, he's interested in a change from the inside out, and it will, it will brighter the tongue. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying that, 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 that religion is worthless. He said, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. He said, well, you mean to tell me I can be really, really religious if I just do that? Well, you know that uh, the Pharisees, they, they were tired of minting and coming and all those type of things like that. See, he's really, not, he's really not talking about that either. He's giving them another example of a change from the inside. See, if you are changed from the inside, you start being concerned about what God is concerned about. God is concerned about the poor, helpless. And the, and the, and the two helpless people that he's, he's giving you an example of would be uh, widows and orphans. An uh, orphan doesn't have a father, doesn't have a mother, and that person doesn't have an example before them. They didn't get taught like they should have gotten taught 
a lot of people, if you see in the third world countries, a lot of these young kids are taking care of kids on the street, living in cardboard boxes. They don't have parents. Some of their parents die from AIDS or, or, or murdered and all those type of things in some of these uh, war-torn countries. Uh, God is concerned about that. What are we doing about trying to minister to those who are caring about those who can't help themselves? Widows, they don't have any support. And we're talking about widows that he's already told us in many situations here in other places that we're talking about a widow who's 60 at least and above and who's washed the, you know, the disciples' feet, who's shown hospitality, had one husband, all those things is in another place in the Bible. We're not talking about the widow who has someone to take care of them because he says if you don't take care of your own, you're worse than an infidel. That's the scripture that's in the same place that he's talking about uh, who a widow is, a real widow that the church should take care of. He wants, to, he wants the church to take care of only those widows who can't help themselves because that's who God is. He wants us as a church to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. Now, are we concerned enough for that? In this day in society, when, when people are losing their jobs, when you don't have that much money, they're raising the price of food, gas, and everything else, and, and it's hard that they don't, they're, not, they're not raising the price of our income. But, you know, how are we going to make it? So you say, well, God says, I don't care about what you, you know, what you think. Why don't you start fasting? And that money that you will save fasting that week, I want you to give that to the orphans and the widows who can't take care of themselves. See, God will send a prophet uh, up to a widow of Zarephath who was a widow, and, and she was a widow who was not a widow, of a Jewish widow. She was a, uh, you know, a pagan widow, but God cared about her. And the only way that she got taken care of is she took care of the prophet, even though she didn't have but a little bit for her son and her to die, you know, eat a little bit and die. The prophet said, no, you take care of me first, and then, which he's representing God, you take care of God first, and then God will take care of you. In other words, God wants us to be changed from the inside out where we're caring about people and not ourselves. And there's not too many people, you know, that, that see, see, probably a week's worth of food for us is a lot of money, really. It can take care of a lot of people who are widows and orphans in third world countries. It really can. And if you see some of those pictures of things, and they say if you give this much and this much, you know. I know when I was over in, in Uganda, they said that um, uh, a teacher would make uh, really about, I guess, $10 a month. And I was a teacher. And I said, whoa, you know. Now, how do you survive? Well, they have to really get up in the morning and do all they have to do, and then everybody have to work. They have to try to do anything they can. We, we would see campfires uh, when we'd be coming back in from uh, crusades and things like that, and, and we'd see campfires of people. They, they, they work all day to get just one meal at night. That's all they ate, one meal. You were, you were well off if you made $30 a month over in Uganda during the time I was over there. And what do we do? $30. I mean, we can go out to a restaurant after service today and we'll spend $30. You know? Just one meal. And if you eat it, some, most places you won't take nothing away. You know? Because they don't give you that much. God wants us changed from the inside. I know I've inspired you. How, how, how many of you are ready to fast a week? 
and give your food up. <laughs> so, oh, not me, you know. Let's go on. Unspotted of the world. What do we mean, unspotted of the world? See, the world system, the world system is, is uh, really stained. The world system, uh, it represents everything that's worthless, was both physically and morally worthless. It's a seat of cares, temptations, and evil desires, irregular desires. That's what the world system is. And we live in the world system. And as the scripture says that we are, we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. That's the world system. Let's go a little further. Chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Woo. Personal favoritism. How is God? Let's look at Romans 2. Romans 2 verse 9. It says that there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no, what's that word? Partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Have you heard that before? For the Gentiles, when they do not know the law, but instinctively the things of the law, they do those things, not having the law in themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness of their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. There's not going to be any partiality with God on Judgment Day. None. God doesn't want us to be partial either because we represent him. In Colossians 3, 22, it says that slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart hearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong in which he does, has done, and that without partiality. God is a God of justice. He's not a partial God. And now, of course, this hits right at the heart of the things that we believe at Cornerstone, and that I believe, and that's what he, he, he continues to talk about, this partiality. Let's go on a little further. Let's go back to James. We're going on a little further. 
Verse 2, for if a man comes in your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, stand over here and stand over there and sit down by my footstool. That's not too good. He said, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? In other words, your insides has not changed. You are, you are respective of persons. You look at people and you judge things by what they wear. And when it says here that somebody come in with, um, with like a, a gold ring and, and dressed in fine clothes, uh, back then, uh, you know, they, they had, they, they would wear, wear rings on, on their fingers, and I mean rings, rings, rings on the same fingers, and, and it, was, it was like, man, this dude got money, you know? We need him in our congregation. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need him. We're building a building. We need him, man. We need his brother. But see, what God says that, no, 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 we're not going to do that. He said, listen, my beloved, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom in which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do not they blaspheme and, and the fair name by which you have been called? In other words, they are respecting people because of their money and God is saying that hey, you, through James you don't do that they're the very ones that are trying to cause you know you to be thrown in the coat if you, if you don't agree with them because see how many people can sue people that you, but you don't have any money poor people don't sue people they just beat them up you know <laughs> you know they don't have any money you don't have no money to get no lawyer and lawyers cost money you know for, for, the, for we spend more money on our lawyer uh, for, for, this, for our building we are building. I mean, this, he, he charges money, you know? I thought he liked me, and he wasn't going to charge me money, you know? Because I told his, his daughter to drive education. That didn't last but a hot second, you know? <laughs> he gave me one freebie. That was it, you know? And that was for somebody else. It wasn't for me. I said, my goodness gracious. But I'm really, we, we're writing checks. Ask Stella, our bookkeeper. She said, we're writing checks. Up, man, man, it, 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 well, whew, my goodness gracious. Poor people can't sue people. So, so he's saying that, that see, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to do that. Now, how does that relate to us today? You know, I can fall into that, oh, really, because when you have need, you look to people to fulfill that need, don't you? Uh, you, you, you? You are saying, I look to God. But really, you're saying, surely God going to use this person. And those are the very ones he doesn't use. He, he, he doesn't use ones you think he's going to use. He really doesn't. He uses those people who you never know. You know, there are, people, there are people who have money. They have money, but they don't look like they have money. Yeah. There are people who look like they have money. They don't have money. <laughs> And if they have it, they will not give it to you, you know? Sometimes we also can be respecting persons because of their uh, 
what they wear, what they're saying here, how they're dressed, how many piercings they have or don't have, how many tattoos they have or don't have, you know, their color, how they smell. And see, in, in, in our type of church where it's a non-denominational, uh, people feel like they can, they can come because it's a non-denominational church. So they can come from other denominations and come here uh, because we're open to all denominations. But see, you don't realize that some people, they tend to, uh, when in Rome, you act like the Romans. And so when you're in some churches, uh, because of the, what the norm is, the culture in that church, they begin to uh, be free to do that in those churches. And they come here and somebody uh, get up, hallelujah, preacher brother. Everybody look around, oh God, you know. Now, how long do you think it's going to be before that, that man feels really bad? But he, now, see, in, in the church he's from, he's used to doing that. The church she's from, she's used to doing that. Uh, Elder Sam, he told us about his mama. <laughs> oh, okay, Miss Dorsey, you don't want me to tell it, do you? Okay, I won't tell it. <laughs> I won't tell old Miss Dorsey, you know, because she used to be in a different type of church, too. Uh, not, not before, I think it was, this was before I knew you, before you came to Faith Christian Fellowship, okay? I think you were at another type of church, and, and they did diff different things, and, and he showed me how you, how you acted, you know, and, and how you... <laughs> I said, no, she didn't, did she? Oh, my goodness, because I wish I have a video. I showed to the congregation, you know. Uh, but see, uh, when she came to this church, uh, the people that weren't doing that. And so uh, pretty soon she said, well, okay, in this culture, uh, the church culture here, if I do that, it's not going to be accepted. So she toned down, you know. <laughs> Well, she was, I mean, she was hot. You go, wow, my goodness gracious, you know, not, not, not the kind of hot that they, they talk about hot. <laughs> you, know, you know, not the parents here that got hot, but I'm talking about, you know, she was saying hot, hot, you know. Now, Miss Dorsey, she, she, was, she, was, she was swift on her feet. <laughs> she had moves that you, won't, you, you, you think she had, boy. <laughs> you know, but in a way, um, See, we can, we can run a person like Ms. Dorsey out of the churches if she would have come to us knowing that she has a gift of prayer, knowing that she's a giver, you know, she's a, she just loves mercy and helping people like that. We would run her right out of the church. If she came and acting like that and we didn't give her, her opportunities, you know, to just be who she is, and, and sooner or later the Holy Spirit will, will, will let, let her know that, that this culture is a little bit different, you know. It's a little bit different, Okay. We can show partiality that way. Do you know that? You really can. So I don't want you to do that. I want people to feel comfortable coming to this church. I don't want you to look at people who, who are, you know, kind of uh, a little loud. You know, there are people in some churches. Every time a preacher, preacher says something that's nice, they'll be yay, ooh, you know. <laughs> Have y'all seen them on TV? Y'all been there, huh? <laughs> Nobody waves in the hangers when I say anything, you know. I don't know why, you know. But there, there, are, there are people like that, you know, and it's okay. It's okay. Don't show partiality. We have, as one of the uh, three things that we do, and we're tweaking that now, 
and it might not last too long, uh, longer, uh, is building bridges. And building bridges mean that between, you know, the pierced person and, the, and just the uh, person who's not pierced, we're trying to build bridges between them. So if you come in and a person has piercing in the nose, piercing in the jaw, piercing in the eyebrows, you know, uh, then don't stare at them and look at them like, ooh, you know, did that hurt, you know? Can I touch that, you know? <laughs> you know, because people got piercing, that, I mean, they got piercing in their tongue, they got, I mean, they, you know, they, they, they got piercings, you know? Tattoos there, which way, you know? And when, when I saw uh, uh, David Pruden's wife, you know, uh, it was interesting because I, I, I had only talked to him on the phone. When I saw him, he had all these, pure, all these uh, uh, tattoos, and I said, ooh, he's been somewhere, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing some things, okay, you know? Uh, but see, if I judge him on what I saw, he wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be here, and you would have missed, missed a blessing, you know? And so you don't want to do that to people, uh, so let's don't show partiality. Let's let people come in our congregation, and we treat everybody the same. And in some congregations, Asians is not wanted. Some congregations, Hispanics are not wanted. You know, there's so many churches in Lynchburg that have a Korean church, or a, you know, they have a Hispanic churches, they have uh, churches, you know, uh, they, they'll have uh, other uh, cultures in there, but it's still 99%, 98% uh, Korean. And I don't want to be in a church that's, 99% Korean, you know? I don't want to be in a church that's 99% black. I don't want to be in a 99% white. I want to be in one that's just like our society, mixed. And so uh, it's, that's going to turn some people off when they come to our congregation because they're going to see me. They're going to say, whoa, you know? <laughs> Plus we have a website, you know? And some people are not going to visit because I'm going to be on the website as, you know, staff, we put staff. I was looking at a website, and, and, and the front page, the home page, had all these different ethnic backgrounds, you know. I said, whoa, they have Hispanics, they have, you know, Asian, boy, they got, you know, blacks, they got white, this is really cool. And so I said, let me check the staff out. What does the staff, all of them black? I said, oh, now that's interesting. Because if a staff is all black, but you tell me you got, uh, all these ethnic groups are, are, are welcome, then you can't find anybody to be on staff, you know? That's white, that's whatever, you know? There's nothing wrong with whites. They're not slow, are they? They're not too slow, are they? Y'all too slow? No, you know? And the same thing with, uh, I look at a, a conference. If I look at uh, uh, somebody, they send me a mail, come to this conference. You know, 10,000, 4,000, how many people come to the conference? And all the speakers are, are one race, I don't want to go to the conference. I really don't. I want to model the way it's, it's going to be in heaven. I don't think it's going to be like New York. I don't believe that you're going to have an Asian part of you know, heaven. You're going to have a black part. You know, they're going to have to be eating soul food. You know? you know what I'm saying? I don't believe they're going to have that. You know? They're not going to have that. So what we're going to have to do is start practicing because he told me all nations, all tribes, all tongues, yeah? everybody going to be together praising God, and all this flesh is not going to have no part in it. So that means that we're supposed to be the same way here. Okay? So that's what we want to promote. That's what we want to embrace. So when someone comes in, uh, we want to embrace them. I don't care what background they're from. I don't care uh, what they look like, what they smell like, you know, uh, because 
sometimes you, you can't help it, you know. From some cultures, you know, they don't have the same cleanliness that we have. So that's, that's okay. Uh, they will learn. Okay? No partiality with God. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilt of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So he's trying to let them know that, that uh, Jews, you better stop. Jewish Christian, you better stop trying to, you know, uh, walk on both sides of the fence, you know. You better understand that you can't, you can't be a doer of the law. That's not part of your walk of grace now. You're going to be walking according to the law just because the law is written on your heart. You don't have to try to keep it. It's in you to keep it because him who is in you is the word of God. So speak and so act, it says, as those who are judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's where we want to end today. And that's the song that we are singing is so um, important because God is merciful. And I want us to, to meditate on this this week. And we'll pick it up right there at verse 13. I want you to meditate on on just that. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. What does it mean to show no mercy? Because all of us think we show mercy, but what does God mean when he says those who don't show mercy, when judgment day comes, you're not going to be shown mercy. What does that mean? So we have to look in, 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 in other places in the Bible. We have to, have, have to try to find out, God, what are you saying here on this thing? Give me some examples of what you mean here, God, because I don't want to miss this thing because I really think I'm showing mercy. You know, sometimes we say, you know, well, you know, just show them tough love because sometimes you have to show them tough love. You see, is there a difference between uh, mercy and tough love? Is there a difference? Should we be showing tough love? You know, how does mercy look? We want to talk about that uh, when we pick it up. And we won't pick it up next week. Uh, next week, um, we'll have uh, someone else bring the message. But I'll pick it up uh, when the next time I speak, I'll pick it up right here in verse 13. And we're going to go ahead and you have, you have a, um, a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll miss next week, but I'll be back the week after that. And uh, you have two weeks to meditate on this. And I, I want to see what you got, you know. I want to see some of the good stuff that God shows you because that's what we're going to pick it up at. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is good. We want to be like you, Lord. We want to be changed from the inside out. We want to look intently at the, at the word of God. We want to abide by it, Lord. We want to change. We want to change. The bottom line is we want to change. If we're not going to change, Lord, there's no need to be in your house. We want to change. I need to change. I need to be more like you. And it begins with accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There will be no change if we're not born again. If there's anyone here that's not born again, 
uh, we want to pray for you. Let's, um, let's pray. Will you bow your heads? Is anyone here that not, not born again? I would like for you to uh, just raise your hand and put it back down, and, and I will pray for you. Anybody like that? Anybody? Is anybody here that say, you know, I've given my life to Jesus Christ before, but I, I don't walk it. I, you know, I, I'm just a hearer of the word. I sit in church sometimes. I hear it. My parents tell me about it. My, you know, uh, my pastor tell me about it. You know, I hear it on TV. I hear about the word, but I'm just a hero. I'm not a doer. If that's you today and you want prayer, would you raise your hand and put it back down? I want to pray for you. Okay, I see your hand. Thank you. We said we want to be an effectual doer. We said we'd have to meditate on that word all day, every day, all the time, all the time. And we said that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Some of you are a little too busy. You really don't get into the word. I know it, you know it. Those in your household know it. Some of you tried and been unsuccessful. Today is a day of breaking the bondage that keeps you from making that time. If that's you, would you raise your hand and put it back down? I'd like to pray for you. Okay, I see your hand. Anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We want to pray for the two people that raised their hands, Lord. Father, we're asking you to forgive the one who have not been walking the word. They've been here, but they haven't been walking it. Forgive them, Lord. Cleanse them, Lord. Give them the power, the grace, the grace, the grace that they will need to walk the talk. For the one who want to get in the word, but been too busy. They raise their hand and you saw it, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to empower them to overcome their circumstances. Circumstances are strong. Circumstances are powerful. They are meant to get us off of the things you're asking us to do. The world system is geared to cause us to go downstream with everybody else, with the world. Father, we are asking for that one, that you put a put wind in their cell, Lord. And if they don't have a cell, put a cell up for them and put wind on their cell, Lord. Put a motor on their boat and cause them to go upstream, Lord, against the flow and get into your word, Lord, to make that time uh, that, that you have already ordained that they make, Lord. Everyone has 24 hours. It's what we do in those 24 hours that determine how we're going to change and whether we're going to change. And not only for that person, Lord, for those who, who were too bashful to raise their hands or too proud to raise their hands or whatever it may have been, Lord, 
We're asking you to give them the grace also to put a sail in their wind, Lord, put wind in their sail, put a motor on their boat, Lord, to cause them to go upstream because I know, Father, we all could be in the word a little bit more. We all, Father, uh, fall in that situation where we're not consistent. We're definitely not constant. Uh, we are sporadic, Lord. So we're asking that for this, this congregation, Lord, because that is what we're supposed to be doing, Lord. We're supposed to be rejoicing. We're supposed to uh, get up in the morning. We're supposed to praise you. We're supposed to just can't wait to get before you, Lord. We're supposed to go about our day, Father, thinking about you, meditating on the word, Lord, acting out your word, speaking your word, Lord, just in, embracing the situations that come with your word, Lord. We're supposed to go back home, Lord, and 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 act the word out right at home, Lord. We're supposed to let people know that we love them, Lord. Even though we're irritated and frustrated at our bosses, we're supposed to show love in our household, love to the cat and the dog, Lord. We're supposed to, and when they puke all over the place, we're supposed to love them anyway, Lord. Oh, it's hard. But we're asking you, Lord, to do that, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, that when we uh, get to bed, Lord, we'll meditate on your word, Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll want to pray, Lord. We want to pray with our mates, Lord. We want to pray with our children, Lord. We want to have our house to be said that this house is a house that, that follows the Lord. As far as me and my household, we follow the Lord, the word of God. That's what we want to be, Lord. Let it be. For not only that person, but for us as a congregation. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and the glory because we know it's not of us. We know we're not uh, uh, trying to work our way into salvation, not trying to work our way into sanctification. We can't do it. Only thing we can do is surrender at the cross to Jesus Christ. Let it be. In the name of Jesus. I'd like to go ahead and ask if the, uh, the prayer team could come up, please, and just be available for anybody today that would like to receive more prayer, whether it be for you personally on the message the pastor brought before us today or something you want to stand in the gap for somebody else. So we'll go ahead and dismiss here in a little while, and uh, you can still take advantage of the prayer team if you would like. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You are dismissed. If you're a first-time guest with us, please make sure you hug on Pastor and meet his wife Minerva. They would love to shake your hand and share their love with you also.